0: Okay, uh, so for our first message today, it's brought to you by Reg Noland, it's entitled Prayer for the Latter-Days. So I don't grip over that. Okay, For those of us who believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ as Lord, Savior and King, It is a truism that each day that passes brings us one day closer to his return. Hallelujah. Okay. However, since it hasn't yet started, each day also brings us one day closer to the great tribulation and the day of the Lord that follows it. This is a time of Jacob's trouble, a time unprecedented by any time in history or to come in the future. If we turn to Jeremiah 37 through 9, we see that uh, stated. Um, It says, Alas, for that day shall be great, so that none will be like it. It will be the time of Jacob's unequal trouble, but he will be saved out of it. For it will come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break the oppressor's yoke from off your neck, and I will break your bonds, and the strangers will be no more slaves of the people of Israel. will will no more make slaves the peoples of Israel. But they will serve the Lord their God, and David's descendant their king, whom I shall raise up for them. If you notice I am using... You didn't have the Amplified. Okay, never mind. I will be reading from the Amplified, follow along from this one, see what... what, what, Amplified has a few extra words in it, so uh, it uh, tends to be like me, a little bit more verbose. And some of the others Why should this passage concern us, modern Americans? Anyone who has done any study into the fate of the lost ten tribes of Israel knows that modern America and the former English Commonwealth are the descendants of ancient Israel, the two sons of Joseph, with Great Britain as Ephraim and the US. as Manasseh, upon whom the birthright of Israel has, and its name has fallen. Now, if you haven't done that research. To know the identity of the modern America and the British commonwealth, I refer you to our literature list, to Stephen Collins' series of books called The Lost Ten Tribes of Israel, to Alexander Hislop's The Two Bab- Babylons, to J.H. Allen's *Judah's Scepter and Joseph's Birthright, and to Ralph Woodrow's Mystery Babylon Religion. This study for is critical for the understanding of end-time prophecy. So if you, need, if you haven't done that study yet, it is imperative that you do it. Matthew twenty four nineteen to 22 And woe to those who are with child and to those who give suck in those days but pray that your flight is not in the winter nor on the Sabbath day for then shall be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world no, nor ever shall be so this is an unprecedented time nothing like it before or after and unless those days be shortened no flesh should be saved and Moffat adds alive But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Did you notice that Jeremiah referred to this time as Jacob's trouble, not Israel's trouble? Jacob was the name of the carnal man whose name was changed to Israel after his submission to God. That Jeremiah refers to these end times nations as Jacob instead of Israel strongly suggests that the carnal nature of these nations Instead of their sacred one, indeed they are so corrupt that all the end time prophecies show the nations of Israel in captivity in punishment for their sins at the time of Christ's return. The yoke and the bonds that Jeremiah refers to back in the previous two uh, verses of Jeremiah, verses uh, eight and nine, above. The the I see where am I the. Yoke and the bond that Jeremiah refers to in verse 8 are images of bondage and slavery, images that we see repeated throughout Scripture. Likewise, words such as remnant and exiles are indicators of a fragmented people in captivity. Scripture is replete with such references, so be alert to them as indicators of a people in slavery. The returning Christ then becomes a delivering king, releasing the captives from their bondage, after which a great period of prosperity will ensue. Consider the words of Amos. Amos 9, verses 8 through 15. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are upon the sinful kingdom of Israel's ten tribe, and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, except where I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. Notice, did you hear the difference? One of it referred to Israel. One to the house of Jacob. So it's not entire. It's the, it will be, Israel shall be the sinful kingdom of Israel ten tribes. Yes. But it is the nation of Jacob at the same time. For behold, I will command and I will sift the house of Israel. Among all the nations can cause it to move to and fro. As grain is sifted in the sieve. And I will no, And I shall not... And yet shall not the least kernel fall upon the earth and be lost from my sight, and all the sinners of all my people shall die by, all the sinners of all my people shall die by the sword who say, "The evil shall not overtake us or assail us. In that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, the fallen hut or the booth, and close up its breaches, and I will raise up its ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, by the way, Edom is modern-day Turkey. And all of the nations that are called by my name, says the Lord who does this. Behold, the days are coming, uh, says the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, plowman shall overtake the reaper. What does that mean? You're going to be planting more than you can, and uh, faster than you can reap it. Okay, um, the treader of the grapes, who, him that, oh, that sows the seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, all, and all the hills shall melt. That is, this, everything therefore uh, heretofore barren and unfruitful shall f- overflow with spiritual blessings. And I will bring back the exiles of my people Israel. And they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine from them. And they shall also make gardens and eat fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land. And they shall be no more torn up out of the land that I gave them, says the Lord your God. That God will plant them in in a land, suggests that that place will be their permanent home. But much turmoil will take place before we ever get there, before such peace can be restored. Uh, Ezekiel 6, verses 1 through 10. The Lord, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face toward the mountain of Israel and prophesy against them. And say, you mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains and the hills, to the rivers and the valleys, Behold, I, even I, will bring a sword upon you, and I will destroy your high places of idolatrous worship. You and your altars shall be made desolate, and your sun pillars shall be broken to pieces, and I will cast down your slain before your idols. I will lay the dead bodies of the children of Israel before their idols. I will scatter your bones round about your al- altars. And I will in all, your, in all your dwelling places the city shall be laid waste, and the high places shall be made desolate. And all your altars that so they may be, be, the bear the guilt and be laid waste and made desolate. And your al- idols shall be broken and destroyed. Your sun images may be hewn down, and your handiworks may be wiped away and blotted out, and the slain shall fall in the midst of you, and you shall know, understand, and realize that I am the Lord. And yet I will leave some of you alive. When you have when you have some that shall escape the sword among the nations, when you have been when you shall be scattered throughout all the country, then those of you who escape shall earnestly remember me among the nations to which they have been carried captive. That the, uh, how that i have broken i have been broken how that i have been broken by their lewdness and my, high, my and have myself broken their wanton heart which has departed from me and blinded their eyes which turn their idols want turn after their idols wantonly and they shall be loathsome in their own sight for the evils that they have committed and all their abominations and they shall know and understand and realize that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I will bring this evil uh, calamity and punishment upon them. So, what's that saying? Ezekiel here is uh, reprimanding his. Uh, sorry, wrong way. One more. Okay. Um, let's see. He is reprimanding the people uh, for their idolatrous worship and declaring that the Lord himself will lay the dead bodies of the children before the idol, that they are corrupt in, in every, uh, well, rotten to the core would be our common way of saying it today. Uh, consider the rest of the passage from Jeremiah that I started earlier. Uh, this is the rest of Jeremiah picking up in verse, this is Jeremiah 30 picking up in verse 10. Okay. Therefore, fear not, my servant Jacob, says the Lord. Notice again, Jacob, the difference between Jacob and Israel. That is a significant difference throughout the whole thing. For Jacob is the carnal man, Israel is the spiritual man. So, therefore, fear not, my servant Jacob, says the Lord. Nor be dismayed or cast out, O Israel. For behold, I will save you out of a distant land of exile, and your prosperi- posterity f- from the land of their captivity Jacob will return and will be quiet and at ease and none will make him afraid or cause him to be to be terrorized and to tremble for I am with you says the Lord to save you for I will make a full and complete uh, end of all the nations that to which I have scattered you but I will not make a full and complete end of you But I will correct you in measure and with judgment, and will in no sense hold you guiltless, or leave you unpunished. For thus says the Lord, your hurt is incurable, and your wound is grievous. There is none to plead for your cause. For the pressing together of your wound, you have no healing device or binding plaster. All your lovers, your allies, have forgotten you. They neither seek, inquire of you, nor require require you. For I have hurt you with a wound of the enemy and with the chastisement of a cruel and merciful, merciless foe, because of the greatness of your, poster, of your perversity and guilt, because of your sins, because your sins are glaring and innumerable. Why then, do you cry out because of your, your hurt, the natural result of your sin? The, your pain is deadly and incurable because of the greatness of your perversity and guilt because your sins are glaring in a numeral, I have done these things to you therefore all who devour you will be devoured and all of your adversaries every one of them will go into captivity so God will use these adversaries to punish Israel but he's not going to let them get away with it either. They'll come back and punish them because too often they, they do not understand that they are a tool in the hand of God. Instead, they want to attribute it to their own power, their own might, their own glory, instead of realizing that they are an instrument of God in the process. Um, for I will restore health to you. I will heal your wounds, says the Lord, because they have called you an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no one seeks after, and for whom no one cares. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will release from captivity the tents of Jacob, and have mercy upon his dwelling places. The city will be rebuilt on its old mound-like site, and the palace will will be dwelt in after his former fashion. Out of the city, the city and the palace, will come uh, songs of thanksgiving and the voices of those who make merry. I will multiply them, and they will not be a few. I will also glorify them, and they shall not be small. Their children, too, shall be as in the former times. That's in both in number and in behavior. Uh, And their congregation shall be established before me. And I will punish all who oppress them. And their prince. Notice this. Their prince shall be one of them. And their ruler will come from the midst of them. And I will cause him to draw near. And he will approach me. For who is he who would have the boldness. And would dare on his own initiative to approach me. Says the Lord. Then you shall be my people. And I will be your God. That the prince will be one of them that will come from the midst of them suggests that this will be an elected official instead of a king inheriting his position as part of a royal bloodline Jeremiah asks, why do we cry for our punishment when it is the natural consequence of our sin? Today we have lost any understanding of that cause-effect relationship of the consequence that, that follows for action We have a myopic, a near-sighted view filled with people who can only see the immediate benefits of our action and not the long-term effects. A people who want a quick fix instead of a permanent solution to a problem. Nor do we appreciate the benefits of correction. Rather, we would rather avoid the punishment altogether and just kick the can down the road. It could become a common expression. Kick the can down the road. Let someone else in the future handle this problem. Let's not deal with it right now. Consider the admonition of the writer of Hebrews on discipline. And you have completely forgotten the divine word of appeal and encouragement in which you are reasoned with and addressed as sons. Let me rephrase that. That's a question. And have you completely forgotten the divine word of appeal and encouragement in which you are reasoned with and addressed as sons? My son, do not think lightly nor scorn or to submit to the correction and the discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage and give up and faint when you are reproved or corrected by him. For the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves. And he punishes, even scourges, every son whom he accepts and welcomes to his heart and cherishes. The worst thing you could ever receive as an answer to prayer is nothing. Because that means that you're not, in, it's not being heard. You must submit to and endure correction for the discipline of God. God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not uh, thus train and correct with discipline? Now, if you are exempt from correction and left without discipline, in which all of God's children share, then are you illegitimate offspring and not true sons at all. Moreover, we have have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we yielded to them and respected them for training us. Shall we not much more so cheerfully admit to the Father of Spirits who so truly loved us? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short period of time, and chastened us as seemed proper and good to them. But he disciplines us for our certain good and that we may become sharers in his own holiness. For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. But afterward, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it, a harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness in conformity to God's will and purpose, thought, and action, resulting in right living and right standing with God. I think that part of our loss of appreciation for the discipline that comes from God comes from the fact that legislators today have largely tied the hands of parents and outlawed righteous discipline. We are now in a ridiculous state where children can even sue their parents for the punishment they have received. How ridiculous is that? Um, Woe to Isaiah 10. Verses 1 and 2. Woe to those judges who issue unrighteous decrees. And to the magistrates who keep causing unjust and oppressive decisions to be recorded. To turn aside the needy from justice. And to make plunder the righteous claim of the poor of my people. That widows may be the spoil. And that they may take the fatherless for their prey. So widows, orphans, elderly, people who cannot afford. Uh, fend for themselves, these are the victims of the magistrates of the laws and the unrighteous decrees. Instead of accepting our own punishment, learning from it, correcting our behavior we are defiant people, effectively giving God the finger and declaring that we'll just do it again. We are no longer an obedient, loving and respectful fearful child, but a stiff necked defiant and unruly one. I'm inclined to agree with Maxine's observation about the, offic- uh, the officials that we elect. She says, we get what we deserve. We get what we deserve. Consider Isaiah's warning, as uh, inappropriately quoted, quoted by Senator Daschle, which I hate to say was a Democrat. No. Uh, okay, uh, if we go on over to Isaiah 9, uh, 8 through 18. The Lord sent a word to Jacob, and it has fallen on Israel. And notice, he sent a word to Jacob, but it fell upon Israel. They keep making that distinction between the two, between the carnal man and the spiritual man. And all the people shall know, Ephraim and the people of Samaria, who say in pride and hardness of heart, the bricks have fallen down, but we will build with cut stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will use cedars instead. Uh, And Jehovah shall set up the foes of resin against him and spur on his enemy. The Syrians in front, the Philistines behind. And they shall devour Israel uh, with open mouth. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For the people do not turn to him who strikes them, nor do they seek Jehovah of hosts, the Lord of hosts. And the Lord will cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush in one day. The elder and the honorable, he is the head, the prophet who teaches lies. He is the tale, for the leaders of this people lead them astray, and their guided ones are swallowed up. No truer statements ever been uttered. The leaders of this people lead them astray, and their guided ones are swallowed up. For this, is the Lord shall not. For this, the Lord shall not rejoice over the young men. Nor shall he have mercy on the orphans and the widows. For everyone is a hypocrite and an evildoer, and, I- and every mouth speaks foolishness. In all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For wickedness burns like a fire, and it shall devour the briars and the thorns. It shall kindle in the thickets of the forest, and they shall roll upwards like the lifting of the smoke. This is a blatant statement of defiance. If you tear us down, we'll just rebuild and make America great again. It does not accept God's correction, but does double down on previous stance. Yes, it is our leaders who lead us astray, who live in a world of alternate facts, who take, down, take us down the paths to alienation and destruction. Who divide us with ideology and walls. Who act rashly without counsel. Without considering the consequences of their action. And both sides of the aisle must share in that responsibility. It's not just one. No one person or party is entitled to all of the blame. Further, we as citizens are not without fault. For we elected them. Unlike ancient Israel, who were subjects to the will of a bloodline king. Our officials are elected. They're coming out of the midst of us, or at least about half of us in a way, and reflecting the world values to reflecting to the world the values and belief of us as a people. So we have to own our own decisions. We have to own our decisions. How has the faithful, this is Isaiah 1, verses 21 and 23, how has the faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your wine is mixed with water. Your rulers are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and is pursuing rewards. They do not judge the orphan, nor does the cause of the widow come to them. Perhaps the consequences of our decision are necessary to bring about the destruction of our pride, to destroy, to break the pride of our, our power. And our eventual captivity to the beast power of Europe. But it's not going to be pretty. This is not going to be a pretty sight. We are overdue for a whooping. Not just a whipping, but a whooping. And it is coming soon. God has laid out the consequences for our deviant behavior in detail as a promise of correction from Leviticus 26. Let's read what God has promised will happen if we fail to do what he tells us to do. But if you will not listen to me, and will not do all these commandments, and if you will shall despise my statutes, or if your soul hates my judgments, so that you will not do do all my commandments, so that you may break my covenant, I will do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you. Can that be any more true? Consumption and burning fever... "...consuming the eyes and causing sorrow of heart, and you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and you shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when none pursues you." You are running scared, in other words. "...and if you will not listen to me for all this, then I will punish you seven times more for your sin, and I will break the pride of your power." And I will make your heaven like iron and your earth like bronze. And your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield its increase. Neither shall the trees of the field yield their fruits. And if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sin. And I will send wild beasts among you and who shall bereave you. I shall destroy your cattle and make you few. And your highway shall be deserted. And if you will not be reformed by me by these things, if you, walk, if you still walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you, and I will punish you seven times more for your sins. This is seven times seven times seven. That's 343 times already. And you shall be delivered into the land of the enemy. When I have broken the staff of your bread, how many people today suffer from gluten poisoning? When I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you your bread again by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. And if you will not for all of this, listen to me, but will walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you also in fury, and I, even I will chastise you seven times more for your sins. And you shall eat the flesh of your son, and the flesh of your daughter shall you eat. Now, don't think this is cannibalism. It's not cannibalism. It simply means they're going to eat up the food from the children. Okay? The food that would do normally. At least I hope it's not cannibalism. Anyway. And I will destroy your high places and cut down your images and throw your carcasses on the carcasses of your idols and my, soul sh- and my soul shall despise you. And I will make your cities waste and cause your sanctuaries to be deserted. I will not smell the sweet savor of your sweet odors and, and I will turn the land into wasteland and your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished by it. And I will scatter you among the nations and I will draw out a sword after you And your land shall be waste, and your cities waste. Have you seen Detroit recently? Then shall the land enjoy its Sabbath. Now, the land enjoys its Sabbath means that there won't be any need for tilling it. So the land gets the rest the land shall enjoy its Sabbath and as long as it lies waste and you are in your enemy's land then shall the land rest and enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies waste it shall rest because it did not rest in your Sabbath when you, were li- when you lived on it and on those of you who are left I will send a faintness into their hearts into the land of their enemies oh they're faint of heart Can and the sound of the driven leaf shall chase them they hear just a rustle in the grass behind and they're scared The sound of a driven leaf shall chase them. And they shall flee as if fleeing from a sword. And they shall fall when none pursues. And they shall fall on one another as if it were before a sword when none pursues. And you have no power to stand before your enemies. And you shall perish among the nations. And the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And they that are left of you shall putrefy in their iniquity in the lands of their enemies. And also they shall putrefy with them in the iniquities of their fathers. If they confess their willfulness and and the willfulness of their fathers with their sin, which they sinned against me, and also they that have walked contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to them and will bring them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts are humble and they pay for their iniquity, then... I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham I will remember and I will remember the land. So there is hope. If God continually holds out for us the offer, the olive branch of repentance if we will just take it. If we will just take it. And the land shall be forsaken by them and shall enjoy its Sabbath and while it lies waste without them and I shall, I, and they shall accept the punishment for it of their iniquity. Accept the punishment of their iniquities, Because even because they despise my judgment and because their soul hates my statutes. And yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away. When they are in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away. Neither will I hate them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them for I am Jehovah their God. For their sakes I will remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen so that I might be their God. I am the Lord. Uh, Finally, this isn't finally enough to break the egos and to make our leaders cower as well as everyone else. Revelation 6, 15-17 And the kings of the earth And the great men, and the rich, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains. And they said unto the mountains of the rock, Oh, fall on us, and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who will be able to stand? But there is hope for what comes after, especially for those of us who see Christ returning as liberator instead of invading conqueror. Instead of returning to us as a liberator, instead of invading conqueror. For us, his return heralds the end to all of these despots and warmongers of the world and all the nationalism that fosters them. An end to the greedy capitalists who exploit the poor and the weak. An end to the terrorist activity that destroys property and life. An end to the idolatry and sorcery and superstition and drug dealership an end to the hatred, the sexism and the racism that separates us. It heralds the onset of peace and prosperity, productivity, of justice, of love and tranquility without fear, of safety and security, of health and happiness. But before that millennium reign of Christ can begin, we are looking at hell on earth, a time when mankind stands through on the brink of his own destruction, so that if it were days were not shortened, no flesh would be saved alive. And only Christ's return can save us from ourselves. So, let us offer up a prayer for these latter days. That our leaders somehow attain the wisdom that they need to lead us. And develop an ethical character necessary to, for us to respect them. Unfortunately, I'm afraid that my prayers are laced with skepticism a bit. Cause I've seen too many politicians and it will not happen so I offer up a second prayer as well God protect us from our leaders